What's up, everybody? Welcome to a new episode of the All Things Croatia podcast. I'm your host, Stanko Zovac. Born and raised in Los Angeles, I'm now living in Zagreb and studying the Croatian language. In this series, I'll be talking with people both in the homeland and around the globe who have connections to Croatia. We'll hear from business owners, returning diaspora, influencers, musicians and artists, athletes, and the biggest Croatian celebrities that will return my calls. But enough about me. Idem odalje, and let's get started. All right, welcome back to the Croatia Week podcast, everyone. Hope you guys are doing well. Uh, today we have a special guest, Domogoj Boljar, co-founder of Miret. Uh, Miret is an eco-friendly shoe company from Croatia that focuses on making high-quality shoes with minimal environmental impact. Uh, their materials are natural and bio-based. Um, they combine sustainability with comfort. And in this episode, we're going to hear from Domogoj and dive into the inspiration for Miret and what makes it so special. Uh, Domogoy, thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me. You know, before we dive into Miret and hear about the company, um, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Introduce yourself a little, your background, where you grew up, what your education was. Uh, yeah, at this point, it's hard to separate me from Miret. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm always talking about the company and never about myself. So this is a, uh, this is a change for sure. Uh, yeah, um, I grew up in Dugaresa, that's a small town near Karlovac, uh, and Karlovac is near Zagreb, and uh, yeah, we grew up in a, in a, a suburban uh, uh, house by the forest uh, setting. I grew up with my brother, uh, who is actually the creator and the, the genius behind Miret. I'm the one helping him uh, make this dream a reality. Uh, so it's hard to separate myself from him, uh, my brother Hervé, of course. Uh, yeah, we grew up in an entrepreneurial environment from day one. Our father was always an entrepreneur. Uh, he was an electrical engineer, uh, electronics engineer, actually, and he had his own uh, tech startup in the 80s. and and uh, which transitioned into a shoe factory in the 90s. A uh, really strange uh, uh, jump and, and career switch, but nevertheless. Uh, so uh, both of us are really uh, uh, keen on education. Uh, and so I at one point decided, after, after finishing high school, we just, I decided to study entrepreneurship. Uh, and uh, my brother studied industrial design. Uh, so yeah, that's my background. I actually like specializing in running an SME. Uh, that's basically it. Uh, so uh, yeah, that's my background. Uh, again, it's really ha- hard to separate myself from my brother because uh, all our life we've been uh, Pursuing the same interests, uh, playing uh, playing in the same band, uh, uh, pursuing the same hobbies, and hanging out with the same crews, uh, and this translated into us uh, now running our own uh, uh, startup together. Yeah, hmm. yeah, that's really a blessing that you were able to do all these things together with your brother. Uh, that's really cool, and we'll have to <laughs> have to get into that band yeah, yeah. a little bit later towards the end. Don't let me forget about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> So you said your dad had a, a tech startup and then the footwear business. Um, did that inspire you at all <laughs> yeah. in the beginning? To Yeah, that's sort of a, an interesting leap. Did, did that inspire you at all? The leap was because of uh, the war. You know, uh, we mm. were 
we were basically um, um, really, really close to the front, you know, so all economic activity virtually stopped for two or three years uh, in our area. We weren't so heavily hit by the war, but economic activity was hampered, you know. Uh, so this previous business that was a tech, uh, he was actually producing machinery, various types of machinery, uh, and ex exporting throughout the world. But after, after that war, it couldn't be, uh, that business couldn't be continued anymore. So he was like uh, looking for, okay, I, I want to produce something. What can I produce? And then he found a niche at, uh, in footwear at that moment. It was just uh, 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 cir circumstances were so. So what inspired us all our, all our life is the resilience that he had, you know, and, and uh, that, entrepreneur, that true entrepreneurial spirit of being your own boss and, uh, uh, of course, encountering many issues uh, and problems along the way, but finding ways to cope. That was one inspiration. And the other inspiration was uh, that uh, engineerial uh, way of thinking but I think I have more of an, uh, um, a technical kind of mind, you know, and it's also with my brother. Industrial design is not like making, uh, it's actually like uh, creating a product from scratch. So it's more of a techn technical thing. So this is where we come from, this, this kind of mindset. So, yeah, but, but actually our father was against us joining the, the family business at one point. Oh, uh, really? Because he he knew how... Yeah, yeah. He, you know, being an entrepreneur is always difficult, but being an entrepreneur in a post-socialist country that was plagued by by this war and and uh, and was not part of any any uh, trade association it, it was much more difficult than 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 it normally is so it's difficult but we, we had even more difficulties so we went through like booms and busts uh, uh, with the, with the family business number one and the family business number two so we were always in in, in crisis mode you know so he wanted us to to find a life that's not so uh, crazy. <laughs> I, I don't know what the word would be. Yeah, uh, I mean, so I he was against it, but I, I think it was so much embedded. <laughs> yeah, and but this this kind of this kind of way of of life was so deeply embedded into our DNA that we just couldn't stay out, uh, which led us to after he passed. Uh, 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 which led us to our own uh, booms and busts, but but through this we built a sort of uh, uh, experience, but also extreme resilience, uh, which actually led us to being recognized as as sort of veterans, and that we are uh, worthy of investments and 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 second chances and stuff like that, which is something that's normal in the U.S. Uh, but it's it's something new and it's a paradigm shift in Croatia. So we were we were blessed that uh, that that in the same time that we we decided to run this this project as a startup, that the whole ecosystem actually and the mindset uh, finally came into place and something like this is possible in Croatia. Finally. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure the end of Yugoslavia and then the beginning of independent Croatia was not an easy time for, you know, businesses and you know, the economic situation. So that does make sense. Yeah, um, and it also was, uh, was 
you you had the 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 the, the uh, fall of the uh, fall of the Berlin Wall and uh, and and the global economic crisis and uh, and all, all on top of that you had the uh, the war so it was like it was a really crazy time but yeah tough times make tough people you know? <laughs> yeah exactly and um, let's get into a little bit now Mirat how did that start how did you guys come up with that specific idea to make ecologically friendly shoes was that something sudden or was it something you guys have been thinking about for a while uh, yeah there's there's this there is there's this Hollywood moment uh, a, a, a Hollywood drama moment that actually happened uh, it, uh, we we kind of started working in our father's company in, I would say I started working in 2009 2008 I think uh, and uh, my brother joined us in 2010 for a while. We did a small project together. Then he came back to college and, and, and re, uh, got back to the company in 2012, I think. And in 2012, uh, my brother and I quickly transformed our father's business into, into a, I would say, a small shoe factory which offered like a full full service, like a turnkey service for luxury brands to get their luxury sneakers developed and produced at, in one place uh, uh, with, uh, with very little hassle. So we were quickly get, uh, making a name of ourselves in Europe, uh, especially in Paris and in Amsterdam amongst uh, luxury brands as the go-to guys to, to get their uh, projects uh, realized uh, and uh, uh, we st to do that and to do the shoe business as we did it uh, my brother had to travel around and visit canneries in Italy shoe produce uh, outsole, pro outsole producers component producers other factories and he he saw with uh, innocent eyes uh, stuff that other people didn't see you know uh, the way that the waste is treated the way that uh, the people are treated the way that the leather is tanned uh, and, and and he saw this huge ecological impact before it was even uh, a global subject you know sustainable fashion wasn't even a coined term at that moment microplastics weren't a subject and he he saw that that people are blind to these um, uh, to this huge ecological impact of footwear. But but mind you, this is uh, around 2014, uh, where no one no one is talking about that. And um, uh, and I at one one day I went into went into his uh, office, and at that point we were like doing doing well. Uh, having these high-end luxury brands uh, uh, be our clients and, and, and everything was like peachy, you know. Uh, and, and I entered his office and he's like, he's distraught. You know? He's really distraught and he's, he's yelling at me like, I can't do this anymore. We're producing garbage, we're producing garbage and we want to be part of this anymore. We got to change, we got to change. It, it was much more dramatic than I can, <laughs> than I can dramatize at this point because I had no idea what he was talking about. We were doing really, really quality stuff with high-end luxury materials, uh, like high-end leather with amazing companies. But he 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 had an epiphany. You know, he he saw that he doesn't. He felt that he does uh, that everyone is blind to the 
problem and that uh, he, he wants either out or he wants to try to find an alternative. Uh, so, yeah, at that point we have very little resources, very little time that we could devote to this project because we had to, we had a machine that we had to run, which was not allowed to stop, you know, a factory, a development studio needs to, like, needs, the fire needs to keep going and the lights needs to stay on. Um, so, a little by little he started to investigate alternative materials, started to make some concepts, but really not knowing how to start, where to start. Uh, so yeah, not to take, take this, well, we could talk like an hour about this, but it, uh, this was the birth of uh, an idea, the start of a project that for us took years and years. Mm -hmm. uh, so in the first, I would say from 2014, 2018 it was always on the sidelines it was always uh, something that we dreamed of doing but we, we were not being we were not able to really devote ourselves to this so yeah it was in the making for years uh, and uh, this is something that where there's a huge difference between the US and Europe and Croatia specifically is that you're afraid to really like um, uh, completely reinvent yourself, uh, uh, but we in, but we managed in the end in 2019 to leave the business behind and just fully devote ourselves to this project. Mm -hmm. well, I'm sure that was a tough decision. I mean, at least for you on your end, because you know you weren't seeing what your brother was seeing at the time when he had the idea to switch. And you know, as you mentioned, you guys were doing well, so I'm sure that was tough to you know give uh, yeah. up that business and. Try something new. Yeah, yeah, but we we had um, uh, we had a, a black swan event in 2018 that actually was a blessing in disguise. You know, uh, so this business that we were doing was growing, but it wasn't without issues and problems and ups and downs. But we were managing and we were growing uh, from that 2014 to 2018. In 2018, we were on the on the, on on the brink of like doubling our business, we're going from three clients to six clients, and we were considering expanding, and uh, everything was looking really really well. Uh, but then suddenly, uh, in spring 2018. Uh, there was a perfect storm that uh, all of our clients uh, encountered their own uh, problems, various problems, like crazy, crazy stuff that you have six clients and six clients at the same time encounter really big issues and they all decrease their orders. And we were, uh, uh, we were like, okay, should we continue this? Should we like try to salvage the business that suddenly like is encountering huge problems should we try to salvage it at any cost are we ready to like uh, really really put ourselves on the brink to try to save it or is this like a perfect moment to just uh, uh, dissolve the company leave everything behind and pursue what we've been trying to pursue for years uh, and so yeah we took that chance uh, and dissolved the company and took us a year. It was a really, really tough year emotionally and financially and, and, and in every sense of the, and every sense of the world. Uh, but yeah, after a year, we, we managed to like, uh, leave it behind and, uh, 
give it a decent burial if you if you may you know uh and 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 then then we were off then we were off from spring 2019 we could like fully devote ourselves to this and and now looking back it was uh, uh, we, we were in luck that uh that that happened to us <laughs> yeah, sorry, sometimes but... life throws you a bone when you don't, don't when you least expect it no? yeah sounds like a blessing in disguise you know in a way um, I want to talk about something exactly. you you touched on earlier. Uh, you know the problem with regular shoes and how much waste and you know what the materials are. Um, you know I want to ask you what are like regular shoes made of and what's the main issue with that and how does Mirat solve that ecologically? So there are there are many problems with with the way that uh, the humans consume. No, uh, but we need to consume, and there, uh, everything that humans do uh, inadvertently has an has an effect on the environment. And the only thing that companies and uh, and consumers and governments can do do is to try to mitigate or or uh, to mit- to mitigate uh, the effect, or 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 try to change the way that we produce and consume. So uh, sustainability in fashion is still an umbrella term, you know. I think there are a lot of companies and brands uh, trying to um, uh, like find the perfect solution or the least bad solution for you know, for the environment. And our our approach is unique in a way that we are putting ecology first. Uh, and uh, trying to find and, and develop and implement materials that, uh, in their core, uh, are uh, at least toxic or least uh, negatively impacting the environment. Uh, so what this means is when you when you, take, uh, when you take a look at a regular shoe, a classical shoe, it's either made from leather, natural leather. Or from various uh, types of materials that are basically oil derivatives. So when you look at sponges, polyesters, rubber, synthetic rubber, uh, uh, and um, like uh, faux leather, like artificial leather, they call it eco leather, but it's anything but. Uh, so it, all of these materials are oil based, and they're they're, they're basically plastics. So. Uh, you have a problem with a lot of plastic being created, having a huge CO2 footprint, uh, but also the materials when they're disposed of, uh, they they last forever, no? And they degrade into microplastics, with pollu- which pollute the oceans and and the the, the earth. So uh, we decided not to use recycled plastics because we see it as um. um Moral hazard, you know, uh, you have a, you have a situation now where uh, secondhand plastic, recycled plastics, is are more expensive and more sought off in the market uh, in the market than than virgin plastics because it's so cool to use recycled plastics. So we decided to use materials which are virgin as virgin as possible and as close to nature as possible. Uh, so just just go back to to leather. Uh, natural leather is a fantastic material. It's durable. It's it's pliable. You can do amazing stuff with it. But it's tanned uh, with uh, so many chemicals and, and 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 heavy metals such as chromium. Uh, and the purpose of tanning uh, as a process is to preserve leather so it can last forever. So again, you have a problem that this material is 
not natural anymore and the whole process is heavily polluting even in Europe uh, and, the, uh, and not to talk about the and to mention the third world countries where, where ecological uh, conditions in tanneries are nowhere near uh, the Western world so you have the problem uh, in obtaining the raw materials you have the problem while making the materials make uh, and then when you produce the the shoe uh, you have a certain percentage of cutoffs. You know, when you when you cut materials to make pieces that are then stitched together, you have at least twenty percent of material that is uh, being treated, being discarded. And all of these materials that are uh, like uh, production excesses, they are treated as dangerous, hazardous waste, and need to be disposed of by the companies, by the shoe factories. But then the question arises: What about the other eighty percent? The other 80% is in the shoe and all the materials are fused together in a way that they cannot be disassembled or recycled in any way. And consumers, after consuming the product, they don't have any choice but they discard it and it ends up in a landfill. Uh, and it's impossible to dispose of it in an ecological way. So the whole process is terrible from, from the raw materials, from the way the materials are produced, the way that the shoes are produced, and the way, and in the end, the way that we consume. So, uh, uh, our sneaker at the moment is 97% bio-based, which means that uh, our materials are made from plants and New Zealand wool. Uh, and uh, we just recently finished our life cycle assessment, our CO2 footprint, and it's also insanely low compared to classical footwear. I will not say the number here because we are keeping it a secret and we'll, we'll, we'll unveil it very soon. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, know, I don't know if I've been clear this is a, such a difficult subject, but when you, when you, when you uh, basically it's that we are changing the paradigm of how shoes are made. And, and and we are we want to show not just to the consumers but also to other industry players that a shoe made from natural materials can look nice, can be fashionable, can be comfortable, can be durable, and ha and can have a minimal effect on the environment. And it's not it's not like you guys only offer one shoe too, right? Like you have different models of shoes, um, all plant-based, all the same, ninety-seven um, percent ecologically friendly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, now we have like two basic styles, but this year we're launching uh, a, a few more. Uh, this year is going to be like a year of expansion for us. So we we, we kind of like proven we've proven our product market fit, and now we raised another investment round, and we're looking to scale significantly this year. So yeah. There's going to be a lot of stuff coming from us, but it's not just about our brand. It's not just not about our product. We will be opening ourselves in our, let's say, technology and recipe to other brands. And we want to help other brands to implement these principles. Uh, so we want to, want to build Mirit not just as a shoe brand, but also, let's say, as a... As a benchmark as, as a proof of sustainability for other brands and we want to help them uh, implement this into their products. So let's say a, a semi-open source kind of thing, you know? Uh, interesting, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you guys are sort of then leaders right now, it seems, in Croatia as far as ecologically friendly shoes and you're trying to, you know, start a whole trend. And in my eyes, I've, I've only been there like the last 11 months, but from what I've seen, 
that's sort of becoming a trend. You know, I can see the ecologically friendly, um, you know, vegetarian trends, um, things like that. I can see them start to become more popular. So do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think, I wouldn't think of millet in, in the context, context of Croatia. I think we are, we are, if we are not the global, uh, global, forerunner. I wouldn't say global leader because we don't have the largest market share, but I think we are the most extreme brand in the world at this moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the things that we will unveil in the next period will will scientifically prove, prove that we are uh, the most extreme brand in the world sustainability-wise. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm quite confident now to say something like that. And our asp- aspirations are definitely global. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe it will take us longer and, uh, than, than it would take an, uh, like an American brand, but uh, I think our approach is so genuine and so extreme that we, that we will make, uh, we, will, we will raise a lot of dust really soon. <laughs> I know it sounds, <laughs> sounds really, really confident, but, uh, but yeah, uh, uh, we are so confident about that. Uh, Croatia, I, I, I think Croatia is, Catching up with with the Western world uh, very fast. Uh, uh, we we were all, we always were uh, following global trends, but uh, I think the main the main uh, problem is that that the purchasing power here is not so great. Mm. Uh, so if you would create a product in, uh, as mirrored targeting the creation consumer, it, it would uh, inadvertently fail. Uh, so we were kind of um, uh, adapting our prod- pricing, our product, our strategy uh, to the global market. And that, that's how we perceive it. Uh, I, I don't know about uh, these uh, these, of, uh, these last two years were not really social years, as you might <laughs> might imagine. Uh, we were also in sort of lock, lockdown, so I don't know how the how, how the trends are changing. I, I think people were wearing pajamas mostly in the last and sweat and track shirts in the last two years. We're gonna see how how the world is gonna change once we once we're done with this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's sort of right now is untreaded waters and anything that's coming next, you know, we just have to see what happens. Uh, I want to touch on the crowdfunding campaigns. You mentioned the funding earlier. Um, You guys had two of them, Mm -hmm. at at least two. You had on Kickstarter and on Funderbeam. I know about those. Um, How did those go for you guys? Uh, Did did you hit your goals? Um, Uh, Was it well received? Yeah, these are... Uh, yeah, these were, these were like two completely different kinds of, kinds of campaigns. Uh, you know, this one, this is one of the limitations from Croatia, in Croatia. You cannot actually access Kickstarter directly, so we had to go through an intermediary. Uh, for us, it was the purpose of our first Kickstarter campaign is like to to to, to raise some eyebrows, to get get the brand out there, and uh, to prove to our early stage investors that people are really interested interested in, in this stuff, and also to prove to ourselves that as a team we are able to to realize this this kind of project. We, I always compare Kickstarter to like climbing Mount Everest. And I, you know, you haven't climbed it when, once you reach the top, you climbed it once you got back down to base camp alive, you know? Yeah. So for this, uh, for, and in our case, this was running the campaign, getting funded, and then actually f- uh, producing the product and fulfilling it. Uh, and we launched the campaign at March, March 2nd, 2020. 
and what nine days after that, the uh, the U.S. Uh, shut down the border due to the COVID crisis, and uh, World Health Organization pronounced officially the global pandemic. So our campaign was actually alive for seven or eight days but in that period we managed to raise seventy thousand wow. uh, dollars that was that was that was a, uh, perceived as a huge success but we were really ready to like take it to 150 or maybe two hundred thousand euros uh, dollars and we were ready for that but but still this was deemed as a success and we successfully fulfilled our backers like three months after that uh, and and uh, we got a lot of positive PR we got a follow-up investment based on that so that was the purpose of our Kickstarter campaign uh, but this last campaign was a crowd investing campaign where we actually were raising um, a part of our investment round through crowdfunding uh, equity based uh, and for us this was really important because we we are not just an ecological brand we are a socially responsible company and we uh, uh, we we said okay if we're gonna raise around in this really early stage and we have so many people um, supporting us through kickstarter but also also through other ways and other means we said okay let's give our consumers and let's give our partners and friends an opportunity to become part of the company in an early stage and so we launched this campaign and actually now we have uh, 211 uh, shareholders coming in through a syndicate and these are these are people like from $300 to 50, 50 or $60,000 uh, tickets but uh, for various motivations and reasons and I think it was really really a great success because uh, yeah we opened ourselves to the public in a, in a very early stage and we're really proud of that. Hmm. Uh, I do want to get a little more into the business side now that we're you know sort of talking about this mm -hmm. and specifically within Croatia right now um, what is it like starting and mm -hmm. running a business? I mean is it is it tough? Are they you know starting to become more westernized in terms of you know, business development and regulations regarding that? I think it's, um, I started, I, I started working, uh, in, as I said, in 2008. And uh, I see that uh, a lot of stuff is changing to the better, uh, and especially in the last, I would say, three to four years. Uh, we are, uh, I, I, it's getting easier and easier and the tech sector is getting stronger and stronger. We have two unicorns now, uh, which is, which is, which was unimaginable even recently. Uh, I think the conditions for doing business in Croatia are improving by the day. Uh, we are due to adopt the euro from January 1st, 2023. Uh, we recovered from this crisis, uh, really, really fast. I think, I think that the country is definitely going in a really, really good direction. And mind you, I'm not an optimist by, by evocation. I, uh, I'm a pessimist when I need to be and an optimist when I need to be. So I, I really think that this is an amazing time to, to be in Croatia. Uh, you know, um, everyone's talking about Estonia in Croatia, in Europe, uh, as, a, as an example of, com of a country that really uh, developed really fast through their IT sector and the startup, and the startup uh, ecosystem. And, uh, and that happened when, when, once uh, Skype 
was sold to Microsoft. You know, this is the, this was their, uh, they, they call it the Skype moment for Estonia. And I think we had this moment in, uh, in Croatia, uh, just last year, uh, when, uh, when many things happened, you had our first unicorn, Infobeep, starting to buy companies in the US, uh, Rimac getting on the map with, uh, with purchasing of Bugatti, uh, and these like huge things that were, um, if somebody told you five years ago that these things are going to happen in Croatia, nobody, everyone would laugh at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but now this momentum is huge and, um, people are actually starting to, uh, move to Croatia and uh, starting their life here, working for IT companies in Croatia, rather than uh, moving out of Croatia and, and finding IT jobs uh, somewhere else. You know, so I think the trend is changing, uh, but also there's a huge, I think, decoupling uh, going on between uh, like production sectors uh, and, and traditional industries, which are which are finding it tough to be competitive, but also, uh, and, and having really low wages. And then the IT sector that's booming where the wages and conditions are like really, really not, not above average, but, but like multiple fold above average. Uh, so yeah, uh, we also had like really, really good two tourist seasons in the middle of the pandemic, which was also amazing. We haven't suffered, suffered so much. And also the lockdowns here were really not so, so like bad. And, 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 uh, I think, I think we're going to get out of this, uh, pandemic period much stronger than we entered it, uh, which, which is not really something that's normal for Croatia because in, in, in the past, when, when we were in crisis, when everyone was in crisis, we had the crisis deeper and longer than, than the rest of the world. So this is like a welcome change. Mm. Yeah. It's cool to see them recovering <laughs> yeah. faster and. Um, I sound like I'm the, like I'm someone from the government, but, but <laughs> trust me, I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm really not a person that, that, that's overly optimistic when, when optimism is not due, you know? <laughs> yeah. Is someone paying you to say all this or? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and it's definitely cool to see Croatia making international headlines, you know, business wise and, you know, more than just. Uh, that place with the beautiful beaches, you know, it's becoming more, more than yeah. just that, which I think is really cool. Um, but also of course the beaches are beautiful. I, you know, I'm not complaining about that either. Yeah. Um, for sure. as far as like e- ecologically friendly, is there, are there any incentives from the government, you know, to start businesses like that, or it's not at that point yet? Uh, that's also changing. Um, uh, but you know, Croatia is now part of the EU and, uh, and so EU policies are directly implemented here. So you have the Green New Deal in, uh, uh, in Europe. Uh, um, almost all of the new EU grant schemes are, and, and, and investment, EU funds, funding schemes are, are, are either directly directed to green industries or if they're not you have to meet at least uh, a basic level of sustainability criteria social ecologically wise blah 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 uh, so 
Uh, also, our, 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 look, there's there's this. Uh, we have a VC fund that invested in us in pre-seed stage and seed stage, and now they're following up for the third time in like this breach financing. And uh, now for this third round, for example, they need to do an official. Um, um, external survey of our sustainability status, status uh, of the company in order to to get funded. So, so these these are the kind of changes that are happening. So, I think only the companies that are really uh, uh, taking sustainability seriously will will be able to benefit from uh, these government or EU. Uh, financing schemes, you know, uh, yeah, it doesn't mean that you have uh, need to have like an extremely ecological uh, product, but you need to be uh, like uh, you need to have a holistic approach to the governance uh, uh, a part of the company, also the ethical standards uh, and, uh, and ecological standards. So. Uh, I think it's a good time for a company that's that's as ours uh, that's ahead of its time in all of these fields. So it's yeah, mm. it's definitely a, a good moment for for green companies. Yeah, that seems to be the direction um, in which you know people in the world in general is heading. Um, and you know, speaking of that, what what sort of plans are there for Mirat in the future? Yeah. We have like two lines of two two revenue streams. One one of our revenue streams is this direct to consumer thing, uh, selling our, our our products direct to consumer via e-commerce. And uh, this year, ambitious, ambitious plans to uh, to really really grow in this field. Uh, but we we will still be targeting uh, Europe. So we're basically uh, targeting EU plus Norway and. Switzerland, which are which are not EU countries, but are still a part of the of the, the the continent and and the, the let's say the trade. Uh, so, so the next step would be expanding to uh, to the US uh, and Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but I think these will be uh, earliest in, in spring to twenty twenty three or maybe even later because I think we have a lot of room to cover in in Europe. Uh, but our, our, our other revenue stream, another line of business is the B2B collaborations and, and we, we really want to partner up with, uh, with other fashion brands or sport brands and uh, help them uh, and co-create products that are more sustainable than, than their current products and give our our name as a sort of a seal of approval for their sustainability. So we are actually looking to expand to the US uh, rather through through these B2B collabs uh, rather than establishing our own business and growing our brand because um, you need to realize that if if a company in the U.S. gets a hundred million euros or dollars in funding in a round uh, in Europe, that's like ten, and in Croatia, that's like one million. So you really, uh, even, even though there's like venture capital, but it's peanuts compared to the way that that American companies are evolving and growing. So we will be trying to leverage this. Uh, this knowledge that we have and uh, infrastructure and brand awareness that other brands have established. So that that's our 
that's our uh, long-term goal and uh, short-term wise we are doing like two really really important ecological certificates for our for our, uh, for our products uh, uh, we are we started B Corp certification and I, I hope we will become the first B Corp certified company in Croatia uh, yeah there's a lot of stuff going on <laughs> so it's, it's crazy time for the company and we are still a team of nine uh, and uh, and uh, yeah challenging times but uh, yeah wow so <laughs> you're still for sure you're still only nine nine employees then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, uh, I I, just, just make. We, we don't have our own production anymore. We are actually sourcing production in Croatia. Mm. So we do everything else uh, side of the the production of the shoe. So so we uh, do everything except the the production process itself. You know, uh, but we supervise this project uh, process also. So we are lean in the sense that we don't have our own factory, but we produce in Croatian footwear co- uh, factories. Yeah. So yeah, we are a small team still, but like two years ago, we were a team of one and a half, you know. <laughs> so Who was the half? You so or your brother? Huge group. I was the half. <laughs> I, I, was, I was working another job to, to make ends meet. Uh, we, uh-huh. uh, yeah, we are... Uh, <laughs> we're crazy we're crazy for sure well yeah but it seems like inevitably you guys will have to you know start expanding you seems like you guys have big plans that's really cool i'm looking forward to hearing more about that um yeah. i'll let you off the hook now i want to give you a couple fun questions some easier questions for yeah. you sure. <laughs> um i was looking on the website and it looks like you and your brother are big hikers is that true uh i i wouldn't say big hikers uh we started uh uh, mountaineering like two or three years ago when we go on Velebit and other mountains mm. like uh, t- two times a year uh, we have a team of four people that have, we, we set ourselves a goal that we need to go on a high mountain at least two times a year uh, but but before that we were we were musicians as I, as I, as I said in the beginning so yeah, we were trying. We we're trying to hike and mountaineer more and more. Uh, we also like skiing, but uh, we're down to like one or two days of skiing a year and one or two days of mountaineering a year because we are both parents. You know, uh, I have two sons. Uh, my brother has one son. Uh, so it's family first, business first, <laughs> and, and then everything else second. Yeah, well, I'm sure you're busy as hell with everything going on. Um, let me let me ask you about the band. I forgot already that I was gonna ask you about that. Yeah, tell me about that. You and your brother were in a band together. Do you guys still play? No, we 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 stopped. We had to stop completely. Uh, we had a uh, we had a prog rock band <laughs> from from uh, second grade of high school up until I would say three or four years ago. Uh, and uh, we were really, really serious about that stuff, but not, not, not like building a career, but we were, we were like doing, uh, our own stuff, uh, and inspired by, by 
Tool and King Crimson and uh, Massive Attack and a lot of a lot of, a lot of other bands and we were doing our own stuff and we uh, we were really uh, like an eclectic band you know uh, uh, every Saturday from early morning till uh, late at evening rehearsing and doing stuff and uh, and and and. We were like straight edgers about that, no smoking, no drinking, no drugs, just uh, using every Saturday and every moment available of our life to do some eclectic music. And, and, and after we started, uh, started this business, we just had to let it go we couldn't, because we couldn't do it half-assed, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah but, what we, but we're really proud of what we, what we recorded and what we did at that time. Uh, we actually didn't release everything that we were planning to do. We might re-release uh, release it at one point in the future, but it was, you know, this is when people ask me, uh, how is it to work with your brother? But, you know, 15 years in a band together, uh, uh, we were class, almost classmates in high school. We were living together in college, and, and so yeah, uh, everything was really, really well. Con- uh, we were always connected, so yeah, I'm proud of that that prog rock period of our life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Did you see that tool is coming to Croatia? I think is it this year? They're coming to play to Croatia, uh, but no, I'm. I haven't heard because I'm. I'm. Uh, we're going to Berlin to see them <laughs> in, in May. Uh, but you are going. Oh, that'll be really cool. I'm jealous. Uh, let me give you one last question here. One final question. Um, I've been involved in some discussions over here in Croatia with friends about taking your shoes off when you go into the house. What's your take on that? <laughs> in, in Croatia. Uh, uh, I I hold no position on the matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter to you. Huh? I honestly, uh, I honestly, uh, I respect the 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 how the host uh, uh, wants, but uh, no, for me it doesn't matter. I can be barefoot, I can be in socks, and uh, I can wear my boots, whatever the host wants. Uh, uh, and yeah, I, I honestly don't care. <laughs> Well, good to know. That didn't help me at all. <laughs> now I just, I just no, gotta wait and see what they tell me, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, Domogoy, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you got a really busy schedule, um, to come and talk to me and be on the podcast here. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Miret is gonna be up to in the future. And, you know, I'll be following you guys. And, you know, just thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, man. That's it for today's episode of the All Things Croatia podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you all enjoyed it. You can subscribe to the Patreon and check out the All Things Croatia Instagram page to stay updated. Feel free to reach out to me with any questions, tips, or ideas, and make sure to tune back in to the next episode. Thanks again, and vidimo se!